I'm Keaton. I'm Laura. And we love stories and talking about stories. So we're looking at the Bible as a story that's filled with real people. And we're hoping that if we um, show the human side of these people in the story, um, that we'll see God is real too. That's right. We want to try to read the Bible with curiosity and maybe let our imagination do more work than it gets to do when we read scripture sometimes. So we're going to start with the question, what did these people eat for breakfast? And we're going to see where it takes us. How did they start their day? And how did the rest of the day go? Welcome to The Breakfast Translation. So this is a funny little bit of timing, but did you know that we, we actually like planned this perfectly? That this will be coming out, I think, shortly before Easter. Oh, good. Good for us. So accidentally, we did something really right. Yeah, something meaningful. <laughs> right. Um, so if people wanted to pick up, if they just joined us for the first season, they could then after Easter, go back and listen to the first season. Did we time season one? We lined up with Easter, didn't we? Yes. Like to kick it off? started after Easter. Oh, so this will be our, our year. So we did everything. Of the just, we did everything just right, but backwards. Nice. That's essentially <laughs> how that goes. So years from now, when people find this in, in the podcast universe, they're going to be baffled mm -hmm. but we're doing something nobody's done before <laughs> yeah, nobody has done it a backwards <laughs> podcast because that if we do a third season i think it should be old testament stuff mm -hmm. so we'll go back to the beginning yes. at the end <laughs> for so, trailblazers perfect yeah nobody's gone backwards mm -hmm. um so i say that to say we're going to talk today about getting into the actual crucifixion narrative but instead of uh spending you know all our time just kind of focusing on Jesus, we're going to look at the ruler, like the government guys who were a part of this crucifixion, who were Pilate and Herod. Um, to get us going, let's just talk about, you know, we both grew up in church a little bit. So this is a story we've heard our whole life. Easter is something we've, we've celebrated or marked in our life forever. What did you, what do you remember? What do you retain about these last days of Jesus and, and the cross story? Anything stuck in your brain about yeah. the story? I remember all of it being clouded um, as being spooky when I was okay. younger. Just I remember um, watching little cartoons about it and things like that. And everybody's cheering for Jesus to die. And he's carrying the cross up up a hill and people are shouting and it's just yeah. being lots of chaos and um, unnerving, I suppose. Yeah, because it is gruesome. Right. And it's, I don't know that we always take into account how that, plays to kids. Mm -hmm. Um, I think I told the story in the first season about the, the church I was a part of that did the VBS around the life of Jesus yes. and they crucified him on Friday and you yes. were supposed to come back Sunday to find out <laughs> what happened. And like all the kids who grew up in church kind of were accustomed to that. But if you did not grow up in church, it seems very odd to you. Oh yeah. It'd be jarring. <laughs> yeah. And I think that's a little bit of where we're going even with the story, right? Is that if you're reading the story of Jesus Let's say you're even an adult who's coming to the story for the first time and you get to the part where they decide to kill Jesus. Like it doesn't make a lot of sense, mm -hmm. you know, like, especially if you, you know, that he's like famous for, for love and not judgment, for kindness, for changing the course of the world towards, towards goodness. It doesn't, it doesn't make a lot of sense. And so as we kind of look at these, these government rulers, maybe it could could come into to clarity a little bit for us, like how this leads to his death. Mm -hmm. um, I do think most of us grow up focusing on the system of it instead of the story of it, which means that we're almost immediately handed atonement theory. 
like this idea that his death paid a price for you. Yes. So I think that comes into play in certain churches that comes into play really early. Yeah. To like, as a way to, to put a frame around it, right. That this is what this means. Mm -hmm. And to make you feel that weight, um, the older I've gotten, the more I've read books about it, the more I've spent time with it, the more I understand that there are multiple angles that you can kind of look at the cross of Jesus and see that I'm giving away the, our ending here a little bit. But one of the things that's happening is not just like that this was foretold and that this had to happen and that there was like this cosmic calculation that God is doing here, but just the, the human story that whether they knew they were playing a part in a prophecy or not, Jesus just kept aggravating the powers that were mm -hmm. that the things he was doing of, of bringing people in, of breaking down some of the systems of injustice they had, the things that he was doing, got him killed, right? That he upset the religious authorities that they then bring this trouble to the government authorities who then are kind of play the heavy hand in the story. Um, but we're going to see, even if you look in Luke 23, both Pilate and Herod, who are the the guys who hold the gavels, basically, or sign off the papers, like neither one of them can find a good reason, except that everybody feels like Jesus is a disruption. Mm -hmm. So they can see that from the thrones that they're sitting on, right, but <laughs> you they, know, that he's caused disruption. Right. Um, and so they... The things they do, the decisions they make seem to just be to appease all these like factions that are frustrated with Jesus. Right. But there's not something to point at. Yeah. And say, and this is why. Yeah. So let's start with Pilate. He plays kind of the bigger role in the story. But what do you know about, what do you know about Pilate? Does He's anything come Roman to mind? Roman leader. Yeah. Yeah. He's, and... he's one of these Roman rulers. Mm -hmm. uh, he seems like the most, like he's the, the most local between him and Herod, but, um, do you remember any of his story? Anything about him as a person? No, I just remember that he really doesn't want to be the person who decides whether or not Jesus lives or dies. He doesn't yeah. want that on his he's neck. A, oh, I was about to say he's wishy-washy. Wishy-washy. But he also washes his hands. That's a part of the whole story. Oh. So I was, <laughs> oh, no. I was clever before I even knew it. Uh -huh. um, yeah. A part of his story is that his wife has a vision. I can't remember if this is actually in Luke or you know, sometimes we have to pull from the other gospels. Right. Um, so in one of the other gospels, I think we get this backstory of his wife having a vision and she wakes up and tells him, don't associate yourself with this case. Like stay out of it mm. as much as you can and seems to have some premonition. We also get Pilate, like he asks Jesus questions. I think it's also mm -hmm. in another gospel where he says out loud, what is truth? And his way of conversing with Jesus is to ask Jesus these questions and Jesus doesn't give him straight answers back a lot of times. So just like a frustrating criminal. Um, I, I always loved, I don't know. Did you get any, do you have any picture of Pilate has a, what he would have for breakfast? I do. You, do you have any ideas? If he's just wishy-washy and he yeah. does what his wife tells him, yeah. like maybe he just whatever <laughs> he she puts on the a, plate, uh -huh. um, lets other people make the decision. Well, yeah. And even this little, this tiny little glimpse we get of him, of this, what is truth question, right? Mm -hmm. That he maybe doesn't have like a strong core, mm -hmm. like a sense of who he is and what he believes in the world. Right. Something grounding him. Yeah, he knows that he loves waffles. He's maybe <laughs> a true politician in that sense, yeah. you know, that he, he just does whatever the moment 
seems right. to call for. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. It does. It, it's interesting to see Jesus put up right up against these politicians too, because he was not being a politician. Right. Like he was not trying to appease groups and yeah, he's win not. Favor. He's not playing the system very yeah. well at all. Uh-huh. And and that's a part of it, right? Is he doesn't make a defense for himself. Right. Which I think for most of us, if we were standing on trial, <laughs> we'd we'd try to save ourselves. We'd say, "Hey, yeah, I didn't, <laughs> I didn't do, do anything." These things. Yeah. Um, my favorite depiction, just the thing that has stuck in my brain about Pilate. It's it's not it doesn't come from the Bible. It comes from Frederick Buechner, who is like my secondary. Mm-hmm. Might as well be Bible <laughs> to me some days. But he depicts Pilate as a chain smoker, mm. and I think he's with that like little picture of him. Uh-huh. He's trying to like get at this idea that. Pilate was searching and never could find, you know, and that, you know, I, I was, I've, n- I've never had a smoking habit. Have you, do you want to confess that you've had, have you ever had a smoking habit? I smoked half a cigarette once. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. Breaking, I breaking know. breakfast news. Yes. Um, how did that, how did that go down? Not great. Cause you didn't finish the other half. No, I didn't love it. I, I like to try things. <laughs> I always, like, I always kind of wish I, I guess trigger warning for people with smoking addictions, but I, I've always just wanted to have a reason to stare off into the distance. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Holding a cigarette. <laughs> yeah. Not like distance. I feel like smoking breaks, is just like your excuse to step away. Mm-hmm. Whereas like me as a person, I try to just do that without the the cigarette like I just need to get away for a minute and stand outside and stare off into the distance yep. sometimes and it would it would be easier to to explain if I had a smoking habit yes but I think maybe that's what Beekner's getting at with Pilot here is that he has this like this hunger or thirst for something that he can't quite figure out and that he he maybe stares off into the distance and can't figure out what truth is um and so yeah I think his break maybe his breakfast is chain smoking yeah you know yeah that sounds like he's a little bit of a tragic figure yes in that way well yeah and because obviously like we're speaking from thousands of years later Uh where he's you know we talked about this a little bit off mic is that these having these guys names attached to the story grounds it in history Mm -hmm. right and so if you wikipedia pilot or herod antipas right the first things that come up are these are the guys that oversaw the crucifixion of jesus um so it grounds a us in history as we read it because it's a claim to the reality of Jesus's life and death um, that these are things that happened at a certain particular place in time it's just a very real truth claim um, but yeah that becomes their legacy and it uh, his wife saw that coming mm-hmm. right Warned him. <laughs> yeah uh, let's get into so the other person so Pilate kind of tries to brush this off at first and send him off to Herod, right? Let's, let's let it be Herod's problem. Um, which have you ever, this makes me feel like Jesus in his last days has to deal with bureaucracy. Yes. Yeah. Like you the know? government just being slow. Yes. <laughs> it's, have you ever had to like work with a government agency or work with somebody like, and they're like, you got to call this department. Oh, all the time. And you have to call, then you call them and they tell you, oh, you should talk to these people. Oh, all the time. Yeah. I, I do a lot of licensing at work and it's yeah. very much so being put on hold and then until yes. I go up the chain all the way to the president of the universe <laughs> yeah and the person who you just talked to uh-huh. that's who you should have talked to who they're sending you back to right so right. i if i'm jesus i'm just like i have lived 33 years of nothing but love and i'm getting bureaucracy mm-hmm. in return uh and so maybe our way into easter would just be that frustration that jesus understands that you're telling me that the guy i'm supposed to call is the guy i was just on the phone with mm-hmm. um 
And that's a little bit of what they do here is they send him around. And so we don't know much about Herod. Herod is a part of a family of rulers. Uh, I have a big fat book called The Herods. But un- unread. Yes. <laughs> My plan was to read it before we got here and I would know like five big helpful things, uh, but they're still inside the book and not inside my brain yet. So I'll know more about Herod uh, next Easter. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so get ready. Get make a Herod yeah. podcast. Yeah. Um, but we do know that he, he's a part of a family of rulers. We know that his family has a history of violence, but in this moment, he also does not want the responsibility. So he pushes it back to Pilate, right? Well, yeah. So more bureaucracy. Right. And nobody wanting to be the one to to kill Jesus, essentially. Nobody wants this particular blood on their hands. Mm -hmm. Um, The only thing I know about Herod comes from Jesus Christ Superstar. Okay. And I don't know if they did any research, but they always have Herod depicted as like a partier. Okay. Like that he's kind of like the rock and roll, like aloof. Mm. I think in the... You didn't didn't see the John Legend is Jesus and Sarah Bareilles and Mary Magdalene version? No, not yet. Um. And Jesus Christ Superstar, I think, is is pure just narrative play with the story, which I, I, I'm all for. So maybe maybe Herod liked to party or yeah. maybe it was a fun yeah. spin. For the- yeah. It's just like because the uh, in the, the John Legend one that came out a few years ago on live TV on NBC, it was uh, I think it was Alice Cooper. And so I think it was like usually this like cameo when they would do it on Broadway. It was like this. They would always put a rock star. Mm. I think to kind of show that like the power don't care about nothing kind of attitude that he maybe had that he was just kind of, he brushed him off. So Herod is often depicted as like a partying fool. Um, so any breakfast that you could imagine for him? Uh, I'm, I'm thinking maybe he's door dashing McDonald's breakfast in the morning. <laughs> yeah, that makes he's sense. He's not picking it up. He's getting it delivered. That's right. Yeah. The perfect hangover uh-huh. food maybe is right. the, the greasy McDonald's bag. Yep. Um, I thought he was the guy who takes the marshmallows out of the Lucky Charms and only eats the marshmallows. That's a good, <laughs> that's a good answer. And then he puts the box back in the yeah in the cupboard. Yeah, that is one of my guilty pleasures. I do that. <laughs> it's just mm-hmm. the marshmallows. Yeah. Um, there's a funny little note in here that Luke gives us that through this process of passing Jesus back and forth, uh, Herod and Pilate become friends. Huh. Which I. I don't know what we're supposed to make of that. Right. That is an interesting but note. But it's a funny little note. Um, I guess one thing you, although this seems like such a stretch to care, like I don't care if these government rulers became friends. Right. That's when you, when you said that, I didn't, I didn't know that. And yeah. I didn't know how to respond to you. Like, yeah. oh, okay. Like, should I sleep a little better now? Yeah. But it, it has that, I guess you could maybe turn it into this thing of Jesus just cannot stop bringing people together. Mm-hmm. You know, that even this somehow united them, um, not in any like big conversion moment. I don't think that's what Luke's trying to give us here, but just something about sharing this burden became unifying. Yeah. I, I guess a, it does make them even more. Um, it's another note that makes them seem more like human beings. Yes. Because I really, I really haven't taken time to think of them as people, just figures who were sort of the vehicles for moving this story forward as it was supposed to. But yeah. there are people who formed friendships and yeah. I don't know, goofy. And maybe it's also, you know, I always think even the, I can't remember if we talked about this with the transfiguration story, but we talked about it in the last episode about the things that are weird. 
Yep. Right. That sometimes those things that are weird where it's like, he doesn't even make a big deal of this storyline. He doesn't attach a bunch of meaning to it. He just yeah. says it. Mm-hmm. And then maybe that makes it ring even more true that yeah. here's this minor little really note. specific details just yeah. kind of make your ears perk up. Yeah. Say, why would you make that up? <laughs> yes. Um, so I guess one thing I wondered is, you know, one of the things that happens in this crucifixion scene is that the crowd who has, as far as we know, has been mostly in love with Jesus. They're now the ones sort of demanding that these guys take action against uh, Jesus. Um, I guess what I always try to like tap into, is there anything about this I can understand? You know, is there anything about this in our own lives or in my own stories that I can go, oh, it's like this. Mm. Um, so I think one of the questions I had is just, have you ever been a part of like a crowd or a, a group of people where the momentum took over? You know, like, cause that seems to be a part of what's happening here. Yeah. Is I that, mean, all big sporting events, I feel yes. like I, sometimes I don't care about the teams that I'm watching, but I care because I'm close to people who care. And yes. it's like, yeah. And boo that other team. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. All of a sudden in the moment, you're uh-huh. like a diehard fan yeah. because you're, you're swept up in that. Um, yeah, I can see that. I can also, I have a memory of being in this is, I don't remember internally what it felt like, but I remember going to downtown Columbus to go to red, white and boom. And that after the fireworks were over, the crowds were kind of moving through the street and there were people like shooting guns off, you know, and just that feeling of fear Mm. and like just trying to get under the overpasses or get to our friend's house. Like I do remember just a little bit of that, that feeling of following the crowd to safety, sort of like that, a little bit of, um, like that crowd anxiety, maybe. Um, But yeah, I think that, yeah, just something where I think I've had that too, of just caring about a thing I, or even at a concert, like I've been to concerts where I don't care that much. um, But all of a sudden I get there and I, I want to like fake it till you make it almost Mm -hmm. where it's like, yes, I know I'm going to get more enjoyment out of this. If I pretend I'm really excited to be here. (laughs) And then eventually I can't tell where, the real feeling <laughs> ends, right? Right. So maybe they're just moving through the moment in the way yes. that they think they're supposed to be behaving. And it's hard to tell, I think, as you read the crucifixion accounts, like, is that some of what happens? It's just that people get swept up uh, in this. Uh, how do you think one of the things that's happening in the crucifixion story, and again, I, I don't, this is not to take away from the idea that God is doing this cosmic forgiveness, grace, atonement, math, because I think that's a part of the story. But another thing that's happening, just if you read these accounts, and if you read the disciples making sense of it in the book of Acts, a thing that happens is just the way of Jesus, the way he's trying to get people to love and live uh, is so like, it just shakes up everything. And that the way he loved and the way he invited everybody else to love humans just couldn't handle it. That it eventually roused up so much suspicion. Like he was breaking all their order. Mm -hmm. You know, he was disrupting everything they, they thought about power and about class and that he loved in a way that got him killed. Mm -hmm. You know, that's at least one way to read the gospels. Mm -hmm is that this way of sort of radical love and grace is very hard for humans to understand. Um, And so is this just what we as humans do to people who love so well? I think is a big giant question that I often have when I read 
uh, these gospels, right? And if that's true, then when I wake up and eat breakfast, am I going to, am I going to ever be the person who loves so radically that I disrupt somebody? No, because even we talk about like these moments when the momentum takes over, but there's all kinds of more subtle, quiet ways that we fit in, that we become like the pilot or the Herod who just don't want to, we don't want our Wikipedia entry (laughs) to be this big giant thing, right? We want to be unnoticed. We want to never make it to Wikipedia. Right. Um, So I think there's a lot of ways we, we could see ourselves in, particularly in the story pilot where we have him just not knowing what's true or good. And that I think if we were honest, that's at least part of how we wake up some mornings. Is mm. What is a lot true? Of mornings. Yeah. Thanks for joining us on the breakfast translation. 